Hey, y'all, it's Jesse. We're working hard to bring you some new episodes of The One Recipe this fall. In the meantime, we're bringing back an oldie but a goodie, Hamel Whaley, who will not only steal your heart, but will drastically improve your cooking at every opportunity, too. Have a listen. Hi, my name is Hamel Whaley. I am the official husband to Sola, and I am a previous restaurant chef, current everything chef. One of the things people may not know about me is I am a huge professional wrestling fan. I grew up watching it in the 90s when it was really popular. And then when I found out it was, you know, scripted, I lost interest. But the pandemic and the lack of content drove me back into the arms, the sweet, sweet, soothing arms of professional wrestling. I'm Jesse Sparks, and this is The One Recipe, a podcast that talks to chefs and great cooks to get to the heart of one important question. What is their one recipe? The one they've loved their entire lives. Their true soulmate. Sorry to any existing partners. This week, we're covering the beauty and charm of condiments with Ham L. Whaley. In addition to being the certified FDA-approved husband of Sol L. Whaley, Ham is a chef, video host, and a creative powerhouse. He and Sola have their own pizza party-inspired spice mix and constantly launch new pop-ups. They've done Taco Bell-influenced dinners and countless fundraisers for nonprofits near and far. Ham's also just one of the nicest men in existence, but I'll let you hear for yourself. Hello, Ham. Hi, how's it going, Jesse? Good, how are you? Doing just fine. You have been all over the place recently. You ran an unofficial Taco Bell-themed pop-up out of a restaurant in Brooklyn. You've got a line of spices with your wife, Sola, um, from Burlap and Barrel. And I believe it's pizza party-themed, right? Can you kind of explain those two things? How did you start the pop-up, and how did you end up with a line of spices? Um, so the we'll, we'll do line of spices first, since they came first. So we... <laughs> We always have burlap and barrel spices around. That's just our go-to. That's their, their quality second to none. So we always had this blend of spices that we made to put on top of pizza. And it was their Turkish oregano, um, their cobanero chili, and a couple, a few other things. And it's just something we ended up just always having around. And when they approached us to, put together a line of spice blends that was the first thing that that we suggested and then they they jumped all over it and it people seem to like it which is nice <laughs> so then on top of all of that you're also consistently doing a video series with the new york times called mystery menu where you and sola will take a secret ingredient and then turn it into a multi-course meal um what has that been like and what have been some of the weirdest things you've made from it uh, that's been really, really fun. It, it was kind of my first foray into cooking on on camera. And that was, I couldn't have picked a better partner in Sola. And I couldn't have picked a better team in the New York Times. They're all, it's really fun to work with them. They kind of encourage our weirdness and like our dynamic, which is kind of fun to not be overproduced. Just kind of, here's this ingredient. You go think of something fun to make and you have an hour. It's it's I was surprised I always question how real these type of shows are, you know, oh, yeah. how like staged it is, how much time do you have? But 
But I mean, the one we're doing with them anyways, it's very much real. So that makes it fun. <laughs> you really do that, feel that adrenaline. You feel like your and Sola's actual like organic chemistry working. Yeah. What is it like to kind of work with the person you love, the person you're married to, but also the person you see 24 seven? Well, like that, that's easily has been like of my both professional and personal journeys. That has been my favorite part, being able to go through it all with with Sola, my my partner, because we we met in culinary school. We first started cooking. Um, we came to the city together, did our did our externships here together. We had our first like chef's jobs together. We had we opened our first restaurant together. We had so many firsts that we we kind of grew in tandem. And that's really special to be a part of. So that's it. It's great. In short, working with her is fantastic. It's it's kind of it's it's like we we share a brain, but we have different strengths. So when you put it together, it it usually comes out okay. <laughs> it's so much fun to see y'all just like kind of galaxy braining together and thinking about okay, what kind of thing are we gonna make? How are we gonna do any of the challenges that are thrown at y'all? So thank you for single handedly proving that love is real. <laughs> um, over the years, a lot of chefs and people have been talking about finding freedom outside of the four walls of a brick and mortar restaurant, right? You we've seen so many chefs launching new pop-ups, new creative endeavors. So I was just curious to hear from you how you managed to bring all of yourself, all of your creativity to all these projects that you're juggling while still making them feel special. Ooh, that's that's a big it's a big <laughs> big question. Um well, I feel like with the to back up a bit, like the chef's landscape has changed a lot or what, what, what chefs are respecting other chefs for Mm -hmm. before it used to mean a restaurant with Michelin stars or New York Times stars. And that was it. That that's how you got respect in, in the industry. Mm -hmm. But post pandemic, there's been a lot of chefs, especially in, in my age group that have just gotten together and like, I don't want to just like die in a restaurant for 18 hours a day anymore. Like, and they're exploring other realms, like, like you were mentioning pop-ups and, and, um, breaking into social media and breaking into food media by writing, uh, cookbooks and, and, and the like. And that's, it's, that's really, really nice to see that you can explore and, and work on on this like big idea of food outside of a sweaty basement that Absolutely. there are other options and then you will still be um respected among your peers because everyone is in agreement that like yes maybe we can do something else to to you know pursue our our love of cooking and eating and food and all of the, and all of that Absolutely um, so a, a lot of my my culinary base comes from my background and where I where I grew up. So um my dad's Egyptian, my mom's Bolivian. I grew up in Qatar, um, in a Brazilian community there, uh, because my mom went to Brazil to study, and we have family there, so she speaks the language. So it's I have this mashup of of really food, well, culture in general, but specifically food because that's what I was really inspired by and excited for. So that's 
kind of the only parts that I remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's real. Like what I ate when I was here, what I ate at that auntie's house, what I ate at this auntie's house. So that kind of sa- served as a foundation that I draw a lot of uh, um, interesting, like nostalgic flavors from. But then when I moved here, I, I kind of, um, my parents met here. And when we were living in Qatar, they would speak very fondly of like diner Americana and things like that. So um, when the first Johnny Rockets opened in Qatar, that was like one of my uh, regular spots because they served like a classic American diner breakfast. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Then when I went to CIA, it's very um, Eurocentric. So there's, I, you learn a lot of French technique and Italian technique. And then when I moved and started working in New York, I, I, um, Worked at WD-50, which was like kind of um, an experimental restaurant, I guess you could, you could call it. And which is where I met Alex Stupak, who would become my future chef at Empeon, which, which is where I spent a large, large portion of my professional career just exploring Mexican food and learning me- about Mexican food. And that now it's easily one of my favorite cuisines to, to both eat and cook and learn about. So it's just... Just, I guess, life. Life has given me my source of creativity. Well, Ham, I love all of that. I love your journey here to this moment in time where you're juggling all these projects. What's the recipe that's stolen your heart along the way? The one that stands above all the rest? There is only one recipe that stands above all the rest, and that is tomb. Ooh, okay. So for people at home who this may be the first time that they've heard of tomb, can you kind of explain what it is and its texture? Can you uh, give us a little tombtorial, if you will? <laughs> whoa, whoa. That is that is high-level punning. Um, so tomb comes from Lebanon originally, but you, it's found throughout the Middle East and North Africa and throughout the Levant, pretty much everywhere where good shawarmas are made. Um, tomb is this emulsion of garlic, lemon juice, and oil. So you end up with this garlicky, puckery, fluffy, mayonnaise condiment. It's, it's fantastic. You'd think that just pureed garlic would be just a bomb going off in your mouth, but you'd be surprised how much the acidity and the oil and the salt mellows it out. Oh, yeah. And it's not just like... You know, like a little bit of fluff. It's not just like, oh yeah, there are going to be some bubbles there. There's like volume to it. There's like yes. heft to it, right? It's like a garlic cloud. I mean, that's the best way I can describe it. It's it's just a mayonnaise garlicky, lemony cloud. So how do you make the tomb and how do you get the most out of it? There are a few different methods to tomb and based on how... Uh, how game I am or how much, how much I need to make, how lazy I'm feeling. Yeah. So we'll start with, with top tier perfect tomb. You grab like around 30 cloves, you cut them in half. There's a little germ in the center, mm-hmm. which is kind of, it looks like a little, um, like the little stem of a plant sometimes. Um, you, you're going to get a little knife, pull that out because that can be home to a little bit of, you know, a little harshness, a little bitterness, something, something you're not looking for in your in your tomb pop that in a food processor add enough lemon juice to make it to turn it into a smooth paste season that with salt and then i let that sit for like 10 minutes so the lemon juice kind of um the the ph in that mixture is going to kind of preserve the garlic a little bit 
more. Yeah. So it, your tomb will last longer without get, getting off flavors. And then I'll slowly stream in some oil with the motor running, like I'm making a mayo. Um, and then that's it. Oh my gosh. So at the, at the end of the, the oil edition, what you should be left with is fluffy, garlicky, lemony tomb. And then obviously you taste it and adjust with more salt if, if you need any, but that's, that's like the, I'm, I'm going for it way. But usually like on, in the, when I'm making it in the day to day, it's a container, handful of garlic. I'm not de-germing it. Lemon juice, salt. I grab an immersion blender, blend that up until it's smooth. Then I add oil to around two times whatever the base liquid is, pop my immersion blender in there, turn it on, and then it'll slowly start emulsifying and I'll lift the blender up and then it'll all emulsify. So downsides to that, yes, it's tomb, but it's not as fluffy because you're not whipping it in that food processor. Yeah, it's not as vigorous. Yeah, it's not as vigorous, but it gets me to where I need to go when 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 I'm feeling really lazy. It's the air that's making it fluffy, right? Or is it just yeah. the combination of that emulsion, right? So it's because you're it's, whipping so much air into it. Yeah, in, in that food processor. It's that it's that emulsion that helps hold that air, like like a meringue. The oh, stability yeah. of, of that is what's trapping the air bubbles in. So it's the same kind of thing. It's how it gets nice and fluffy. And you want to eat it right away. You want to dive right into it. But also, it can it can stand up to itself for a little bit, right? It's not immediately oh, yeah. going to deflate or come crashing down. Oh no, you can keep it for for a week, and it, it it'll it'll keep it'll keep. It, right. It's like a mayo. It'll, it'll keep for a long time, and it's it's great with like vegetables. I like it dolled on top of rice. You can drop it into some soup. It's anywhere you anywhere you want a little acid and a little garlicky punch. That's that's where you can just throw it in. Well, thank you very much for uh, walking us through this, Professor Ham. We really appreciate it. And I can't wait to make some tomb and send you way too many pictures of me eating tomb and shawarma. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. Ham <laughs> Whaley is a professional chef, culinary advisor, and a co-host of the New York Times video series, Mystery Menu. You can find the recipe for tomb on Instagram at the.one.recipe and at theonerecipe.org. This week's episode was made for you by producer Erica Romero, associate producer Ren Farrell, technical director Cameron Wiley, and digital producer James Napoli. Sally Swift is our managing producer. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffer, and Joanne Griffith. Beth Perlman is our executive producer. The One Recipe was created by Sally Swift and Erica Romero. I'm Jesse Sparks. This is APM Studios. Go make some magic. Magic.